Welcome to iPad Pros, the show all about using your iPad to be productive and get work done. I'm Tim Chen, host of the show. You might want to eke, you know, level that, but not bring like a small hardware mixer in your car with you. You want to just grab the iPad. So that's that's a huge deal that I think is, um, you know, I don't want to overlook the power <laughs> of having that be on the screen. And, you know, because a mixer is not quite so time sensitive as performing an instrument, it feels it's like a real sweet spot for me. It feels great to touch because it's like, OK, I want that to just be right there on the screen for me. But like, I don't have to drag the fader in a super precise way to get it where I want it. Welcome back to another episode of I Pros. I'm really excited to finally be able to dive deep into Logic Pro with Robbie Burns. Uh, Robbie, you've heard on past episodes, one, episodes 121 and episode 130, where on that uh, first episode we dove into Dora Cohn's Balius, major music notation apps for the iPad. In episode 130, we dove into his work as a middle school band teacher in private music instructor and he has a wealth of knowledge in this area he runs the music ed tech talk podcast as well and robbie has used logic pro extensively for many many years as one of his core apps uh, before it even transitioned from logic 9 to logic 10 so he's been with the app for ages and he's extensively used the ipad version to kind of see how it will work for him in the work that he does as a music educator so lots of great things to dive into here with one of apple's newest pro apps for ipad and i hope to get another final cut pro episode out here uh pretty soon to dive into that app as that's another huge app that uh, apple blessed us with earlier this year with that said If you'd like to support this podcast and my new Vision Pros podcast, you can go to patreon.com slash iPadPros or subscribe in Apple Podcasts. By subscribing to Apple Podcasts, you get early access to both shows and the same with Patreon, uh, supporting both shows there. One subscription either way gets you access to all of the early access uh, for both uh, podcasts. And make sure to check out Vision Pros at visionpros.fm, and it's releasing monthly and we've had two episodes so far, and the next episode with Ken Case of the Omni Group is launching next month in early September. So with that said, here's my discussion with Robbie, all about Logic Pro. Enjoy. Welcome back to the podcast, Robbie. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, exciting uh, times, and I've had land uh, Logic Pro came out back in May, I believe, before WWDC, and we're finally getting around to diving into this. Uh for those that haven't listened to our past episodes, we did deep dives on Doricos, Belius, and a bunch of music-focused stuff, as that is what you do for your, your day job. Yeah, I'm excited to be back and talk about one of my passions. I feel like over the past few years, one of the like big, or a few of the big wish list items that I've been experiencing in terms of like, what do I want for my software, have all included either essential iPad apps that come to the Mac or essential Mac apps that come to the iPad. And so it's a couple of years back, we got a couple of major music notation software experiences came to the iPad. And then uh, we're going to talk about, of course, another one of those today. Um, and it's it's so it's like I look forward to it and anticipate it. And these are like really big events and moments for me in my personal computing life. So I'm thrilled yeah. to get to talk through it with you. Yeah, it's awesome. Um, and y- for your background, um, music teacher, what's kind of what do you do? Yeah, so um, for those who haven't heard me on one of the other episodes, I'm a middle school band director in Maryland, and I I teach a little bit of general music as well, which means that I am teaching um, a little bit of digital music creation as well as how to perform on wind and percussion instruments. Uh, I have a pretty active private teaching studio of mostly percussion students Mm -hmm. uh, out of my home studio. Um, On the side, uh, I'm the author of a book called Digital Organization Tips for Music Teachers, and I have a blog and a podcast, both by the name of Music Ed Tech Talk, where I discuss uh, music education and often how technology makes me a more productive and creative person in that field. So that's sweet. That's the highlights. Yeah. And we last spoke on episode 130 back in December of 2021, if people want to go back for that uh, previous episode. And um, we've had some additions to the iPad OS. Uh, how has you know the OS updates and new apps and stuff changed your usage at all? I'm I'm pretty similar in that I think when we last spoke, um, you know, this was like after the the return to school after like a couple of years of yeah. 
online instruction. So I had kind of had like a, you know, like a back to the Mac part of my life where I was really relying on the Mac for certain kinds of uh, productivity. And, uh, you know, with that and with a lot of Apple's features that have come out since then, like focus modes and things that have really tried to help you kind of like change your relationship with your devices and like focus on certain contexts or certain kinds of types of work at certain locations or at certain times of day, I've really more like um, compartmentalized my focus in my time and therefore also my devices. So like the iPad is is still really back to being um, specific for things that I, I feel like really work well for me in the rehearsal space that remains to be like seating charts for my students, my scores, my music scores are all on my iPad, yeah. um, my lesson plans. So kind of like that digital sheet of paper. Um, and that's, you know, like a great, it's a great reading device, a great cr- uh, creative device. I draw on it a lot. I read on it a lot. Um, I do communication on it a lot. So I'm still kind of in that same place. I'm doing a little bit more with the, um, with widgets. I'm doing a little bit more, like I said, with the focus modes. And I'm using Stage mm-hmm. Manager a lot this past school year. Are you on the, the beta? Or are you still on 16? I, so, yeah. So my I'm still using a 2018 12.9-inch uh, iPad Pro. Okay. And it is currently running the iOS 17 beta. Okay. So I've got the new Stage Manager, and I, I'm loving that. It's, nice. I would love it to go a little further stealth than it yeah. does. But it, being able to like move the windows around more flexibly has definitely made me leave it on more of the time than not good yeah and yeah likewise uh it's been a major uh help for my work uh having stage manager less be opinionated be less opinionated you know yes so before we get to logic pro um anything notable in the music notation world music app world uh since we last spoke um Dorcos, Bellius, all these different apps. Um, anything notable come out for those guys? So, I mean, I think for D- Dorco and Sibelius, I'm seeing a lot of really positive but iterative updates, mm-hmm. which is, you know, it's great to see. Um, it's On the one hand, it's like they will continue to kind of like do more. And I, you know, and, and me as like kind of primarily a Mac user for these apps, sometimes that, you know, makes me feel like they're not always going to be the first you know, the iPad will not be the first thing I take out to do work on them. Um, but the kind of positive thing about these iterative changes is that they got a lot right from the very beginning. So, yeah. like, there's so much foundational work that was done for these. Um, and I'm excited to see them continue to get, like, regular updates just like their desktop counterparts. Right. Super. Yeah. Super cool. Definitely. So, um, then uh, StaffPad I'm using a little bit more lately. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I can't say too much. I'm beta testing some stuff for them. And they have some very exciting stuff coming very out. Very cool. Yeah, yeah, and I had the Notion guys on the podcast a while back, and that app's wildly different, and now a free app to get started with, and yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it's very hard to beat free. It's been, you know, I surround myself with a lot of music educators. That's my main job, and um, I mean, let me just tell you, educators love free. I mean, who doesn't love free? But, right, you know, it, especially in I feel like, is yeah, especially so. So, I, you know, and um, that's been for, for a long time you know, prior to these other offerings was the thing that I would recommend for most people. So it's good to see them also just kind of iterating and, and changing and shaping the business model of their app and making it available to more people. Yeah, for sure. So Logic Pro, this is a big, big app on the Mac and we got words come to the iPad. And what does that all mean? Uh, so first of all, before we dive into what that means for iPad and what that app actually is, What's your background with the Mac app? How deep down the rabbit hole do you use this app? Uh, how many years have you used this app? Like, what's your background with this? That's a really good question. I think I've probably been using Logic as my primary digital audio workstation since maybe 2007 or eight. Okay. And so you've seen it to kind of morph. Did it have a Final Cut X kind of? Um, major shift at any point during those years? Like, did you uh, experience a big, or has that just been gradually getting better since since then? I, I never feel like it was met with the criticism that Final Cut Pro X yes. was met with in terms of like taking away features. Um, yeah. I, in fact, I mean, I'm, I could totally be doing like revisionist history here, but I do not remember struggling with that transition. There was a transition um, though with Logic at some point. 
there was, but I don't remember thinking that it like took away or like drastically changed. I mean, the the yeah, UI of the app not there. I don't think ever. Um, I, I don't remember it being so, and it was never a big issue for me. In fact, yeah. I always have have liked the newer look that it's had ever since then. Yeah. So, what kind of things do you do within this app? That's yeah, that's a good question. So, you know, Logic is. A music production tool. It's a digital digital audio workstation. Um, for me, you know, I'm doing a lot of different things with it mm-hmm. that are really specific to my daily job. And what's great about Logic Pro for the Mac is that it is such a fully featured DAW that it really can kind of just bend to your will. Like it's a Swiss Army knife tool for audio. Um, I open it, even though it's like a little heavier than some of my smaller utilities, I still find myself using it for really, really small little tasks here and there. Um, it, it, I use it for everything from like uh, digital music production. So like, you know, making electronic music, um, recording uh, bands inside of it, uh, podcasting, my whole podcast, you know, I've done quite a bit of the episodes in Logic Pro. Okay. Concert yeah. recording and editing, so like recording school band concerts, and then um, just getting them to sound a little cleaner before publishing them to our website. And you record direct into Logic, or do you import audio files from like? Usually, a- we record yeah with something like a handheld okay. device, and Thanks. then I clean up. T- some some of our halls that we perform in have fan noises and other odd things, yeah. and so sometimes there's some EQing and some noise reduction and restoration. Um, oftentimes also we, we set our handheld thing to the, like, um, so that it like records at a pretty low level so that we never get any clipping. Mm -hmm. And so often I'm like in logic, um, you know, just like turning up the gain beyond what you can do in a basic audio editor. Um, I make a lot of music resources and play along tracks for my students. I've actually got some on my website that I sell. They're like these, um, you know, tuning and metronome tracks that have like beats and tuning drones in them and just to kind of make like scale practice more fun and engaging. Um, I, it's just like, uh, use it for every, every little, little thing. So, um, quite a range, pretty equal in terms of like audio and MIDI and software instruments. Um, and I would say like, you know, a good chunk of my projects are not using the musical timeline, which I know is like a really kind of a big, aspect of logic as you know in GarageBand as well having like loop a loop library that is like fixed to the grid and that will like change and transition and morph with your tempo and your key area mm-hmm. that the project information is set to so I also am doing like just general timeline stuff because you know the kind of music we play in the school band is not played to a metronome it just sort of freely exists in fact what it what often it does is not only is that an impractical concern but a lot of the music is uniquely good by the fact that it does not have the same exact tempo the whole time <laughs> right to finish so yeah so that is, kind of music is yeah that is weird so logic does try to keep you in a grid and doesn't let you slow down and speed up time easily well well we can get to that so it yeah. actually i mean it, it works incredibly for both contexts so okay. if you're producing on the grid you're going to get all sorts of benefits of the the timeline in the metronome and like you know like a metronome or even a tempo track which can allow you to like change over the course of a project like what the tempo and the time signature is over the course of the project can you hit like um, markers to like say between these two markers uh um accelerometer you know um accelerate or decelerate yes. speed yeah okay so in in the, and actually you know what i should if you ask want to ask me if it's on the ipad i should look first before answering but um you can on the mac you can create a track that is just a map and every instance of the project you can like change. So if in the fourth measure, I want the tempo to be like one BPM faster, I can like create a little marker that says, okay, nice. here's the tempo here. Okay. Tempo here. That's very cool. Is, um, on the Mac version, at least, is there any concept of seeing the actual notes of what they are or is it purely these sound waves? So, you uh, on the Mac, you have there is actually a notation editor. Um, it's not very good. I had I had one or two college colleagues who like coming up through music theory and like composing classes would like use <laughs> the notation editor yeah. in Logic, and and I would always like see the frustration in their face when they would tell me like how long it took them to complete. So it's not something. trying to be finale. It's 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 a different kind of tool. 
it is a different kind of tool. If, for, for how limited it is, it uh, does, you know, not so bad. But it, it's really not a design for music notation. But then music can be depicted to you in a couple of different ways. So, like, you know, an app like Logic is dealing with MIDI tracks and audio tracks, just to name a few of the options. But these are basically the, the distinction here is, like, between things that are recorded, you know, from the external world versus things that are, you know, simulated using computer software and so midi data like if i choose a software instrument of like an electric piano Mm -hmm. and i tap you know record myself on my keyboard playing some notes um, i will see those depicted as graphical representations of the notes that can be moved up down left right elongated the velocity can be edited and changed whereas like something if i just performed an actual electric piano into my microphone um, i would see the audio waveform and then i would edit that quite differently okay gotcha um, what do you love about Logic Pro against other uh, DAWs out there? What, what makes it different from the other tools available? I think the name, the answer to that is in the name of the software. Like the, it's logical. You, it's logical. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there are not lots of, you know, there are not as many abstractions mm-hmm. to like how knowing what you want to do and then doing that thing. A lot of the user interface and workflows are, direct and seamless you can tell that apple has put a lot of care and and concern into making things more immediately graspable like things that might take like seven menus deep and like you know 15 clicks inside of pro tools might take two inside of logic and um you know i mean like any daw it's complicated software yeah and and it's it is opinionated i mean it, it, it is opinionated in that all software makes choices and expects to be used in a certain way right and you know, I think that that's um, logic is no different. But the way that certain things, uh, you know, it, it's it's so good that it almost is performable. Like I see people, even though logic is more of a like um, recording program mm-hmm. and production program, I've seen live artists even use logic for like live sets. So like huh. having like I saw Lewis Cole live, and he does he has like a MIDI keyboard, a drum set, and then a Logic Pro setup for the gig, and that's it. And he's, like, got background tracks. He's doing, like, looping. And he's doing this all inside of Logic. It's not like he's using a, you know, main stage comes to mind as the Mac equivalent, which uses a lot of the same technology and user interface of Logic, but where it's optimized for live Live. performance. Right. He's using, like, Logic. And I know a lot of people who do this because it is so easy to manipulate and create on the fly without Hmm. the clicks and taps getting in your way. Um, it, of course, works with first and third party plugins and in the software instrument, Apple's own plugins and software instrument library are unmatched. I don't think there's yeah. another DAW that comes with, um, there are some that come with a lot of content, yeah. but none where the instruments are as immediately high quality and playable, performable as, um, so the instruments you know, as are in, expressive and you would feel comfortable, people feel comfortable producing music without having live performances and just going with these electronic yeah it's interesting you know people critique apple's software on the whole for this like um having like kind of like getting something like the feel of something mostly right and then Mm -hmm. lacking maybe some customization um you know i've never thought about this until this moment but you know the software instruments in logic feel that way like they their defaults are optimized for you to just be able to start playing on an electric keyboard and feel like the instrument is responding to you assuming you have performing skill which I know is, you know, everyone yeah. has different degrees of performing skill, but as someone who has like rudimentary keyboard skill and a percussion background, I feel like if I choose, for example, the banjo sound, if I hit it the certain amount hard on my keyboard, it's going to like bend up to the pitch rather than, you know, just hammering it. So like the, mm-hmm. the, that kind of way, you know, feel is like really good. Now, if I were like trying to get the most realistic sounding banjo performance, but like synthesized as possible. There's probably some like third party banjo plugin out sure. there that's <laughs> less easy to play, but more easy to customize. So yeah. now for me as a performing musician, even though I'm critical of Apple not going far enough with all of their software at all times, you know, for instruments, I think this is actually like a perfect balance because it makes it so easy to start making music just with what logic gives you. Gotcha. Yeah. And so the plugin library. So there's a, what are some of the great first party built in plugins to logic that, you know, are, are there on the iPad app? And I, I should say, is every 
first-party plugin available on the iPad app, or is it a select subset? I don't think that everyone is. I wouldn't quote me on it. Yeah. I, I did a, quite a bit of digging. Um, I would say like a lot of the core stuff is there. Like the fact that you know you can do like good EQing mm-hmm. is is excellent. Um, I, I don't know if you when, when you say plugins, I don't know if you're including like I know Alchemy is like an extremely uh, popular and loved synthesizer that is able to like you know. In fact, a lot of the software instruments in Logic are built. And can be customized and tweaked to your liking mm. using that, you know, instrument. So um, that's in there. So they've they've brought like quite a lot of these things in there. And I, I would say that some of these features, and then in addition to this, like the ability to work in a more flexible way with audio, are the things that distinguish it the most from GarageBand, which up until this point has been Apple's only real audio editing software on the iPad. Right. And. Yeah, as far as this, the software instrument library, does GarageBand share any of those same instruments, or are they? Do they give you like is the piano better in Logic versus the GarageBand piano? Yeah, so a lot of them are the same, and this is the thing: is like this is why even though Logic has more than GarageBand on both platforms, um, this is why GarageBand is such a successful and honestly like even you know professional app that you can go really far with is that you know it's the piano sound feels the same to perform and record in GarageBand. it's using so much of the same infrastructure that you know you're you're getting the benefit of that even in GarageBand, which is kind of excellent yeah and they tout the ability to go from GarageBand to logic that you know showing start on your iphone with GarageBand, and then you can import that into your ipad's version of logic um yeah exactly um so and, and you know i don't know how many GarageBand for iPad users there are out there. I can tell you that for me, like growing up, if I had something like that as a middle school student, I would have spent all day in front of it. Yeah. To me as a professional, it's not as useful anymore. But, um, you know, I can see there being a lot of kids, for example, who have iPads who catch this interest in, in creating music digitally. And then they have that their whole life. And now they have this you know, five or so dollar a month option to just like level that up in a big way. So Logic never had a controversial moment, but GarageBand certainly did. And I think it was 2006 where they revamped the entire app, got rid of all the podcasting support and made it entirely music focused. Um. <laughs> uh, yeah. There are teachers who still complain about this, especially I have a yeah. couple of friends who have written book textbooks for music teachers on like digital music composition who are like all the screenshots and like how to's were drastically changed. I think, you know, we've, we've learned in education that the DAW is like the tool. And I think so many of the resources are now speaking more broadly to like musical concepts rather than like specifically, yeah, you know, like where to click and tap, um, which is, which has always been, I mean, for good, for good music instruction, that's always been the focus, but I know that, um, for some teachers, it, it does break your workflow when all this stuff moves around right. quite a lot. And, you know, for some teachers, GarageBand is a humongous investment to learn yeah. how to use. Yeah, that used to be my tool I did the podcast with, and then they made it non-podcasting friendly, and I'm glad Ferrite exists. Well, you can you can cut me saying this out if you feel like, like it's off topic, but I, I have, like, a feeling about this. You know, Apple has got this – actually, I think your show uses um, the option to, like, subscribe – inside of yes. apple podcasts yes and you can get extra content and they've made that so much easier for you as a podcaster to do but you know it's always struck me as really odd that they have you know tools themselves to do it anymore they used to <laughs> right so you know a couple of years back like spotify um i don't know if you know this but they bought both anchor and soundtrap yeah and soundtrap is a web-based digital audio workstation that i actually use it's licensed to our district and i teach that that's like in the curriculum for our general music classes and so that's like if you can imagine GarageBand and google docs sort of smashing together in a right. web browser collaborative cloud syncing um digital music and you know I, I've, it's got a lot of asterisks to how how well it does or doesn't work on any given day but the fact is is that has democratized the process of using those tools for lots of students all over the world anyway that's the the point I was getting to is that Spotify bought that app and Anchor, and you know, um, Soundtrap has a lot of podcasting tools in it. Like it can do that thing where it like transcribes your words, and you can edit it like a yeah. text editor. It's got, um, you know, podcasting is like really big in education in terms of like teaching sure. and using digital music tools. So, um, anyway, it it seemed like you know in Spotify's efforts to want to like 
it seemed like maybe for a time they were thinking that, or at least I was thinking that their strategy was going to be, okay, it, we have everybody consuming all things audio through our app. Do we also want to like start to take over the creation, like the whole widget? Like, do we want kids growing up to be empowered by tools like Soundtrap and Anchor and make it easy for them to get stuff on our platform? Totally. And But now they've re- recently um, sold Soundtrap back to its original owners. Oh, interesting. So, yeah, so I don't I don't know if if that's the vision, but as this was happening and everybody is like wondering what is Apple going to do, what's their move going to be in podcasting? I keep thinking they've had they had it <laughs> back yeah. in 2006. Yeah, and um, you can't even to my knowledge put chapter markers in the uh, Apple Podcasts um, subscription thing. Right. So like p- making GarageBand do like a direct to Apple Podcasts publishing total service make total sense yeah like come on what totally. <laughs> where is yeah. that no yeah um any other foundational things about logic pro or GarageBand before we dive into logic pro for ipad um i think that the maybe this is just more speaking to like the limitations of GarageBand on ios like one thing that i think is like a really big deal and we can go into more detail on this later but like one thing that was really lacking from GarageBand on ios was what you could do with audio tracks. Um, it had a, you know, quite a lot of things you could do with software instruments mm-hmm. and recording them in and with loops. Um, but the big thing that was lacking that is really great to see now is the ability to just have like a good old traditional audio track, just a recording of something from the outside world. And then yeah. having the basic option to like cut, clip, edit, loop, splice. Uh, and so you can on. import audio of any length into uh, a logic file on iPad. I have not run into an uh, issue with okay. length. I mean, I think everything has has a limit, but right. there was like a, I know for GarageBand on iOS there was like a measure limit. It was ridiculous. I remember that one. Yeah, yeah. People would do crazy things to get past that. Like um, if you were working in audio, you could like make the tempo of the song yes. extraordinarily slow <laughs> yes. and then max out. The- <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, Logic you don't have to do that kind of silly stuff. Right. So, um. Tell me about this translation to iPad. Um, so the UI on the iPad on the Mac is one thing, and how they translate that to make it kind of touch friendly and fit on the the screen. All right, you don't have a thirty inch monitor you're working off of. Yeah, it's dense but touchable. So I love it. The um, amount of things on screen is slightly more than your average Apple productivity app, like Pages, yeah. or, or Keynote. But everything is just a little, a little wider, a little thicker. Um, it has a really, you know, I don't know. This word is kind of tired, but it has like a flatter look than mm-hmm. the Mac version. Um, I really just, I like the the gray, the the tones of gray they've chosen for it. Um, the when things are when buttons are like lit up or like active, they have a little bit of a like a more vibrant kind of color to them. Yeah. There's a little bit more contrast in the color palette. The distinction between like what. Um, kinds of loops are or what kinds of tracks are inside of your project um, and then it's borrowing some ios things like the upper left corner has that new like uh cont- i don't know exactly the technical term for it but that kind of contextual like file menu where yeah. you can like do some things like rename the file export it move it somewhere um in terms of like the core of the you know like the data in the project like your tracks themselves and the regions and all of that that looks pretty similar to the Mac, which is familiar and, and refreshing to see. There's a, a little bit, you know, more that is buried in context menus, like long presses and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. That You know, they just brought, they've brought a massive amount of the tools to the iPad while keeping the whole experience really clean and really native. Uh, and it's fast, too. It really, yeah. like, I'm on a 2019 iPad. Right. And I, I think that I've had some issues opening projects that were started on the Mac in terms of, for a number of reasons, but mm-hmm. one of the contributing reasons I feel like is just how long it takes. And yeah. I feel like that's, I'm at a point now where I think that that's more like iCloud. Sure. Than it is this, you know, logic pro itself. So this is a question, I guess logic files save into iCloud and how big are these, how big do these projects get? So this is something that people would always tell you never to do like back, you know, 15 years ago, right. like, no, yeah. you don't want to put these kind of projects in any kind of cloud service. And Apple treats them like packages. So you see this one like little clickable file, like thumbnail on your inside of your finder or on your desktop and you open it. There's, it's really like a bundle, like kind of a folder with a bunch of different, all of your audio files Mm -hmm. are all sort of separated and broken out. And, uh, 
you know, this this kind of thing does complicate cloud syncing, but it looks like Apple has got it mostly figured out. And I've and I've been doing. I mean, it is not my recommended workflow, but I've been doing it for two decades. I mean, yeah, I'll, it's I'll natively put a logic suppo- it's natively supported. It's not like File Cut. Apple would never encourage this and offer this, but. Something like Logic Audio's a little, but it is much smaller than video. Uh, you know, it is. Be- yeah, I mean, it is true. Um, you know, but I've been throwing stuff in Dropbox. I mean, since like you know 2005, and and having minimal issues with it. Yeah. So I'm already a little reckless in that regard. I mean, it's it's more or less officially supported now to just have inside of your iCloud drive a Logic project. And yeah, I mean, the idea is that a properly optimized and compatible Logic project. Will open on the iPad, make some edits, close it, save it back to iCloud, and then open that same project on the Mac from the same location. All the edits are intact. I mean, no no different than you know editing a note inside of Apple Notes. Yeah, that's really cool. Where does uh, the iPad version excel? Like, are there situations where the iPad versions where you go before the Mac? Is there anything like that? You know, with the pencil or the virtual on-screen key uh, instruments and whatnot. So as somebody with performing background and understanding the timing and the touch and the nuance of live music performance, mm-hmm. I'm always going to prefer to not use a touchscreen for things like guitars or piano input or, you know, I'm, I'm talking about like the on-screen keyboard. Right. But, Do you but know, that is... have you tried, does MIDI, uh, can you hook up that stuff to the iPad and do that same stuff there? Yeah. So, I mean, I use a CMEX key MIDI keyboard, which is like a really, really skinny, thin, maybe it's about a foot long uh, MIDI keyboard that just plugs via USB or actually there's a Bluetooth model as well. Yeah. And I use that for inputting notes into Dorico. Um, and it similarly, you know, works inputting notes and, and has for a long, I mean mm-hmm. like, you know, GarageBand for a long time has had MIDI input on the iPad. Okay. And so that's, that's no different. So, uh, you know, I, it's the thing that gets me though, is that like my desktop setup, has an audio interface which sits in between my MIDI keyboard and my computer. So there's like this kind of mediator distinguishing the things that are going, the inputs that are going in, you know, so like my microphone, my MIDI keyboard, and then also my outputs. It's like a mixing board or what, what exactly? So an audio interface is basically what takes audio signals and turns them into digital signals, things okay. that like your computer software can manipulate and edit. Okay. So, so you're converting analog stuff into the digital. Is that right? right? And so, yeah. and, and a lot of, you know, a lot of like consumer level microphones these days come with that technology built in. So all you got to do is just plug the USB cable straight into the computer. Right. Um, the, but of course having a MIDI, um, I'm sorry, having an audio interface does give a little bit more control. I've got some like knobs, some physical knobs. I've got more ins and outs. Um, I've, it, it is outputting to the headphones I'm wearing right now, but mm-hmm. also my studio monitors and I can control the output of those individually with separate knobs on the interface so like the the ipad is not does not do a great job supporting audio interfaces okay yet. and this is so that think, would not work that audio interface well now you doing this show i actually wanted to ask you like how much do you know about driver kit because i know that that was announced i know over it's a, a year thing. ago i've not heard anybody <laughs> take advantage of it yet I mean, this would seem like the thing that a oh, company I should, like... I should recount that. The one thing I've heard taking advantage of that coming out this fall is the iPad OS 17. And with DriverKit, this new app for the ability to hook up your iPad to like a PS5 or Switch and use your iPad as a display for that device. And I believe it's using DriverKit for that app. I think. Okay, interesting. I think. I'm not sure, though. I mean, the audio software industry were is just painfully slow so yes. like i it's possible that companies like m audio who who's who makes a couple of my devices mm-hmm. you know um scarlet you know is a popular one like it's um it's possible that they're like working on this but as, as of now i don't get great results when okay. i plug my ipad into an audio interface um i don't get great results when i plug it into like a thunderbolt dock either you know i oh, have interesting yeah, so like some of the stuff that's plugged in kind of works, other things don't. So this is an area where I feel like iOS is kind of maybe holding back the full potential of a program like Logic or Final Cut. Thunderbolt docks on the Mac as well. Um, yeah, so I have a couple of those twelve South docks. Yeah, and uh, I've got one at every pretty much every desk that right. I use. And they're a little buggy and like, but I mean, not anything that can't be fixed by unplugging everything and plugging it back in. Like they, you know, generally fall in line if I 
bend them to my will. But yeah. Yeah, there just seem to be things that like the iPad will not recognize when plugged hmm. in. Okay. As far as Apple Pencil, how how is it? Uh, Apple showcases this on their site of using the pencil to manipulate different things. What what can you do with it, and where do you want them to expand it? Yeah. So like things like automation are for like decades have been obvious areas where like you're trying to like do a fade out and Mm -hmm. so you know in in a digital audio workstation you can have a line that depicts the volume level of the track and the higher the line is the louder uh the lower the line is the softer so what you can do is Mm -hmm. click a bunch of dots on this line and you know kind of drag them up and down and create a little shape almost like a fade out so where the line kind of curves down a downward slope yeah this is obviously easier to do with an input device like an apple pencil right um so, I, you know, I appreciate that that's there. I feel like Apple can go a lot further with it, though. Like you mentioned earlier, Ferrite for recording podcasts. Like mm-hmm. that developer has created an entire touch-based workflow around pencil gestures. Right. And so things that like, like, like there are audio editing clips, like you can do, like drag from the right to the left an audio clip and then it will in one swipe basically delete that and then take the next little bit of audio and like push it all the way right. over to your you know insertion point yeah stuff that makes it really fast and i and i feel like you know apple a lot of their software tr- is still treating the pencil like a pencil like if mm-hmm. you want to do something that involves drawing it's going to work with you um but if you want to do something that involves like manipulating the user interface it's gonna register the inputs but it's not necessarily gonna i see gotcha so do you know if there is a tempo track on the ipad version so i haven't used it but it's in there um an apple support document reveals yes just uh it says in the tempo track in logic pro for ipad tempo changes appear as tempo points you can create tempo changes by adding tempo points and then editing their values um, you can, of course, use the Apple Pencil to do this, just like any other automation curve. Mm-hmm. And um, very cool. Yeah. Um, plugin story. Um, yes. What is that on the iPad? Uh, can third-party plugins exist here? I know there are some like audio plugins I see in Ferrite that are third-party. Is it that same group of apps that would plug into this? And are there limitations that would prevent some of the big mac plugins to come over to the ipad so this is an interesting area because it's involving third-party developers and also their audio app developers so they're gonna move already that industry moves pretty slow like one of my one of the big plugins that i actually depend on is made by isotope and it is an audio Mm -hmm. restoration plugin that gets weird hums and noises out of the backgrounds of audio recordings yeah and that plugin is not even optimized for the m chip yet so like i have to go take the project into rosetta mode whenever i need to use that one plugin that's amazing so you know it's it's a slow moving industry um i would love for there to be a bigger story here apple in general apple has their own plugin standard called an audio unit and all of apple's plugins are audio units so they obviously all were have worked you know, the GarageBand compatible ones that were made available on the iPad worked similarly to the Mac. Now they have a bunch of the Logic ones available in Logic on the iPad. Um, there are other plugin standards. A VST is one that an audio producer might be familiar with. Um, that mm-hmm. is, you know, plugin maker will often, you know, when you buy a third-party plugin, will make their plugin available um, as either option. So, like, if you're a purely Mac workflow-based person, you can use the audio units, um, if you need to be like, you know, bouncing between Windows and the Mac, or if you're, you know, going to share that project with someone else, you might use the VST version. As far as I know, there are no like perceptible major differences in performance on the Mac. But the, the thing is, is that if a developer makes an audio unit, it is pretty easy to make that audio unit available on the iPad. In fact, GarageBand for the iPad, it's not, it has not been. The, the same language has not been used. It's not like you call it a third-party plugin, but they've had this mm-hmm. thing called audio units for like, I think over a decade where right. an app store on the, the app store on the iPad can sell you an audio app that can be inserted like as a plugin inside of GarageBand or as its own software instrument. Yeah. And so that's those, really cool. Yeah. And those apps, there are a handful of them that a very small handful, but that do. Yes 
work. So like um, a one that I don't own, but that's very popular is called Piano Tech. Mm-hmm. And they um, it is just an incredibly advanced piano software instrument that can do um, you can ha- like highly customize the sound of it. It does different tuning systems like you can do just intonation or whatever. And that plugin does have an iOS version um, that will run inside of a logic project. And to my knowledge, if you have the plugin running inside of a Mac project and then you bounce over to that same project on the iPad, it should just work. Now there's some stuff I would like to see. um, Like for example, and, and and I think it's not out of the question for Apple to go in this direction because this is one of their strengths. Um, obviously it would have been great. It took so long for them to release logic. It would have been great if maybe a couple of these people, like maybe native instruments or like isotope were on board with the announcement and said like, Hey, here's, yeah. even, even if it was just like, here's a version of one of our most famous plugins for the iPad. Right. Um, so I, I hope that in the next couple of years we see the third party plugins open up. There's also a, a lot of like business related reasons that these don't work too. Not just like, technical limitations of the ipad or that it would take a long time to make an ipad version but you've also got mm-hmm. a lot of them like use their own app that you download to the mac um which manages which plugins you own and have licenses to and are installed on your computer and like where the files and samples are stored on your computer you know things that re- require lots of system level access to the mac that is not yeah. given to ipad apps i feel like you could do that thing when you log into a account that they have and that tells your iPad which ones you can this use. This is how Isotope works, which is, I love it. It's like one of the easier ones. You do need an Isotope app to manage the downloaded yeah. plugins. But so I think Notion does this. You can log into the Notion account to get access to all the, the goodies. Well, and this is the thing too, is some of these apps are managing their, like, this 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 has been such a hole in the iPad ecosystem for so long that you mm-hmm. have apps like StaffPad we mentioned earlier where there are VSTs that are like it, it, humongous like we're talking like hundreds or thousands of gigabytes of orchestral instrument samples yeah. that um you know can be used inside of a project and because these plugins are not available on iOS StaffPad has some of their own relationships with some of these same developers where you can use the sound libraries in only, yeah, only inside of StaffPad because they have done all of the tweaking to make sure that the instruments sound good. Because there's this layer right. of like, I have my notes that I want the instrument to sound, and then I have my plugin, which creates the samples. But then there's this layer also of like um, customization where you can tweak how human the performer is. So, like, maybe this particular right. clarinet articulation. Um, I want it to just be like a little bit more assertive or aggressive and being able to customize how the plugin interprets the notation. So you, it's obviously not beneficial unless you work entirely within an app like StaffPad. You obviously don't want to buy this huge plugin suite that you can only use on your iPad and only inside of StaffPad when that same sound sample library is available as a you know plugin that could be used in any DAW on your Mac or even on Windows, mm-hmm. um, it's just a little bit. It's just interesting to see. It'll be interesting to see if this eventually, over time, becomes more resolved and we see like you know really like more fully fleshed out Mac available yeah. plugins available on iOS as well. It's definitely possible to do uh, that. I mean, Piano Tech being one great example of that. Now, I. I as far as file compatibility, um, how has that been for you trying to open up different projects that you started on your Mac? Yeah, this is actually related to one one aspect of this is related to the plugin thing that I just wanted to say real quick. Um, you know, there's a there's this like I don't know if you're familiar with it, but Pro Tools has this like cloud collaboration feature set where you can like this is for like if you want an electric guitarist from a different state or a different country even to like perform a track on your song, you can like bundle a pretty dense Pro Tools project and then like send a cloud version of it to someone in a different area. They can record their bit. And what's interesting is that Pro Tools actually, if that user does not have the plugins, the third-party plugins installed on their computer, Mm -hmm. Pro Tools will actually like kind of do like a little mini bounce of what the output of that audio track sounds like. (laughs) So like, let's say that I add 
uh, I record my voice and then I make it, you know, I add a plugin that makes it sound like I'm in a church or something. And then I send you the project and you don't have that plugin. What, right. What it would do is it would basically just say like, okay, well you cannot like actually go into that plugin and manipulate how much, you know, how big the room sounds like it is, but you can hear it in the same way that I would hear it because it's kind of like right. reducing or bouncing it. I think that logic for the iPad, I think that that is a very attainable goal <laughs> for Apple Yeah, and would improve the workflow quite a lot. Yeah, that'd be great. Um, so compatibility, I mean, that's one way that it could be a little bit more compatible is making the, um, you know, kind of reducing the friction of this plugin problem. Um, I, there are a handful of other workflow issues I ran into. The first three projects I tried to open that had been started on the Mac failed to open for one compatibility issue or another. Does it tell you what it is? So, yes, it does. So I had um, two of them that I can remember off the top of my head. One of them was that uh, Logic for iPad does not support spatial audio projects. And I think I had accidentally it was not even a spatial audio project i had just accidentally turned on spatial audio for one of the tracks inside of the project um that's cool that the mac can do that i hope the ipad can do that one day um well when apple music is you know i mean they gotta they can't like say that spatial audio is the new hip way to listen to music and then not give how does it output spatial audio is that just an mp3 with spatial audio metadata in there this is a do you um, even do you know a little bit beyond my technical understanding of how okay. I don't really know exactly how the file is stored or saved or, right. or put together. Um, so, but yeah, there's like a spatial audio designer where instead of like, you know, you think of like a traditional DAW will have a little knob that you turn from left to right to say, okay, I want this, you know, sound of a violin to sound slightly more like it's coming out of the left speaker than the right so that when you listen to the music it sounds like all the instruments are coming from different places as if they're on a stage right so spatial audio is more like uh three-dimensional it shows you a picture of a head and you sort of choose around that head you drag a little node to like where (laughs) around that human head you would want the sound to feel like it was coming from it seems like apple needs to just create a full-out apple vision pro version of logic that's a fully immersive uh vr uh app of logic where you could like put instruments and stuff well and this is going to be a big (laughs) deal for spatial audio and like all the vision stuff that we're you know that's going to come out right it's like you want to feel just as immersed in the audio seeming like it's existing in space as the visuals do yeah so i had an issue where it wouldn't open a time-based project like where instead of duh yeah yeah. the podcast stuff and this is like really frustrating because like like i said earlier like there's not only is podcasting a completely valid way to use a digital audio workstation but like so much music is recorded not based on organizing by measures and um, beats but by just like how many seconds have passed in the recording so um i was a little i was a little annoyed (laughs) that that wouldn't open um now i have also though opened projects that have shocked me with how like just like the third or fourth one I tried to open was uh, back during the online learning experience. Um, I would do like these things where the students would all submit their recording of their part to a band piece. And then I would take all like 60, 70 recordings of those kids as separate audio tracks in logic and line them up so that it sounded like the whole band was playing together. And so as you can imagine, that's, you know, you put like 60 to 70 audio tracks in there and then of course i'm doing lots of editing with like i'm doing a little bit of um minor like um eqe and like other plugins you know you're mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a lot it's a fairly big project that opened seamlessly on the ipad and then i can immediately just start swiping around and dragging around and cutting things clipping things yeah eq so that's a good example of one i right before we started recording i wanted to have it open here and a recent podcast episode of my own show that i edited in logic was um one where I needed to do a little bit more post-production than usual. I usually, mm-hmm. Lately, I'm actually using Descript for my own podcast editing. But um, I wanted to like add some custom music to the show and do a little bit more with EQing tools. So I edited it in Logic. It ended up being a 7-gigabyte file, and it opened like with a snap of a finger on my iPad. And this is without wow. me optimizing it, clicking no settings. I had not even... I didn't. It was just when I opened Logic on my iPad, it was just offering it to me as the most recent thing that I had right. had open. So I tapped it and then it opened and I'm, I'm looking here. It's got all of the audio tracks of which there are many. Um, it's got, you know, 
music that fades in and out for the intro and outro. It's, everything is just there intact. So there's a, there's a lot of promise here for the workflow. I think some of the, over time, some of these issues with compatibility can be tweaked. And I hope the time-based uh, thing comes in there, the timeline thing. Yeah. Um, as far as mixing, this seems like if you don't have a mixing board, this would actually be probably better on an iPad. Are you able to like listen to your project in live mix and it captures what those sound levels should be? Um, per track as you're doing a live mix is that possible yeah so like having an on-screen mixer which is you know it works really similar to the mac it's just a little mixer board kind of slides up from the bottom area of the screen this is a huge deal right because like this is one of those areas where the software can actually be better than the hardware especially if you do not own the hardware or if the hardware is not something that you want to like pack in your bag like let's say you're going to go record a band rehearsal you're going to have a couple of different instruments recording into the software at the same time you might want to you know level that but not bring like a small hardware mixer in your car with you you want right. to just grab the iPad so that's that's a huge deal that i think is um you know i don't want to overlook the power <laughs> of having that yes. be on the screen and you know because a mixer is not quite so time sensitive as performing an instrument mm-hmm. it feels it's like a real sweet spot for me it feels great to touch because it's like okay i want that to just be right there on the screen for me but like i don't have to drag the fader in a super precise way to get it where I want it. Right. That's really cool. Um, and then keyboard shortcuts. Uh, how is it when you're hooking up to a magic keyboard or whatnot? So this is like the thing that's made me take, put it away and take out my Mac the most. Oh, <laughs> I just don't understand why it's not baked in with more stuff. So like when we look at, you know, the Mac version, it is pretty customary for a professional, creative application whether it's like photoshop or dorico or even you know like pro tools or logic it is like not uncommon for there to be a keyboard shortcut editor inside of the app and you know like an app that like i don't know i'll use apple notes as an example again like an app that's like a good citizen of the mac most of the stuff you can do in it will be exposed to you in the menu bar area at the top like under the file edit menu Mm -hmm. um because these professional creative apps often do so many little tiny things, not everything will come with a baked in keyboard shortcut, but you can add them or even change existing ones. So logic for the Mac has a keyboard shortcut editor that is very robust and powerful. And not only is that um, not a thing (laughs) that I've been able to find (laughs) inside of the iPad version, although I should probably Google that too, before I for sure tell you that Um, I have, I have found that even basic, keyboard shortcuts that are like the bread and butter of my workflow are absent. So like I very mm. often do um, get the timeline in the position in an audio track where I want to make a cut and then I hit command T for trim. Yeah. And then that's like not a thing. It's like uh, you have to hold long press on the region and then it's inside of a contextual menu. And I mean, that's just a kind of thing that really, it's not like a once in an every while thing where you want to dig for it and then it's done. I mean, that is like a, that is something that needs to be as accessible to my workflow as like picking up a pencil and paper on my desk and like writing down a quick note. Like it's right. So a lot of those little things are not there. I'm sure they will add them, but I think, you know, the best way to throw a bandaid on this and make everyone happy is to give more customization, which is not really a thing. That's, that's another iPad OS thing, right? Is like, right. You can expose the keyboard shortcuts of an app by holding the command key, but you can't customize them like you can on the Mac. Unless you're in ferry. (laughs) (laughs) Well, right. And that's its own like bespoke thing. Like, right. Where the whole editor is like custom built. And I love that. And I, and I think like, this is, you know, I, I hate software is hard. So I hate to be hard on Apple, but I feel like, how many years was it that the iPad had Pro in the name before? Yes, tw- <laughs> 2017. <laughs> Six years on. So that was one of the things yeah. where I was like, uh, really? Okay. Um, or 2015, I think. 2017 was the Gen 2. Yeah, it's been a while. <laughs> they, have, they have had time, I think. <laughs> yes. Um, tell me about Alchemy. This is something I've heard quite a bit about. We have mentioned it in passing. What can you do with this crazy plugin yeah i think it's kind of more like what can't you do with it um so it's a manipulation plugin to like change what a instrument would sound like either 
audio or uh, pure virtual instrument? I mean, I'm not a sound designer, so I mean, my technical uh, ver- vocabulary here is going to probably upset anyone who is. But, sure. I mean, it's it's to me. I mean, I think of it like uh, not you know not unlike a modular synthesizer. If you've used like um, you know that like I know Korg may has made a couple of iOS apps that actually work with the audio units framework we talked about earlier for GarageBand, where it's like you kind of see this like graphical depiction of like where all the wires go, and you can like there's like a fader or a knob for like every oscillator every um you know the attack the decay the cutoff but you're basically like given all of these aspects and parameters of the musical sound itself and also how the key on a midi keyboard triggers or responds to you playing it so like i could say okay i want the attack sound to take longer like let's say there's a sound in GarageBand, and like i said earlier some of their software instruments are made in this tool which kind of mm-hmm. speaks to how versatile the tool is. But yeah. It, but it also means that you can create something totally from scratch. So um, it's just really kind of cool to be able to say like, okay, I want this. I like this synth, but like when I press my key, you know, maybe I'm producing like a more like a, like a ballad. And I don't want when I press my key on the MIDI keyboard for the sound to have a really sharp and bright attack. I want it to sort of like have a, feeling like it's kind of swelling in or fading in so you turn you know the attack knob down um maybe when i lift my fingers off the keyboard i want the sound to decay like not just immediately cut cold but instead like decay so you you know turn up the decay a little bit um Mm -hmm. and you can save these as a a special instrument once you're done doing all this this work right yeah you can even like i think you can actually um like start with the basis of one of apple's own instruments yeah and then work with it and then save it as a new thing Sweet. Um, any aspects of the app that we haven't touched on that you just really love and just, you know, if you have an iPad, you know, give this a shot. This is something pretty cool. So like as a, as a Mac guy who were like the iPad, when I use it, I've kind of, I think I've stated, it's like, I want it to be an extension of my workflow. I want to be able to just kind of have it look in the same data as my Mac, just a different window or a different experience interacting with that data and while there are a couple of workflow hangups i feel like it is so much better to have this app than to not have this app and even for me someone who is a professed like mac focused workflow kind of person so the fact that it's even there is a huge benefit um there are gonna be people who this is their primary thing and there are gonna be people who are professionals who find use in it too i think the back and forth mac to ipad workflow of my dreams is eventually gonna get there um i if if i were like a professional music producer i could see this working for me much more in the sense where it's like i gotta get an idea down from the studio real quick and then maybe i'll like turn that into a bigger project for the mac that's it's it's a little bit more optimized for one directional kind of work but um it sounds like if you start on the ipad and make sure all the plugins are there on the iPad that are, are like just limit down your Mac to what the iPad has plugin wise um, that you'd be happy you round tripping. But if not, you're going to be in some problems. Yeah, I think there there are some problems, especially if you're not entirely clear like I was not. What the yeah, there should be like on the, Mac, on the Mac, there should be like iPad mode that you can flip the app into that disables the features that aren't there on the iPad. You know, I wouldn't I wouldn't hate it. Chances are that there's probably a lot of them I'm not using on the Mac. Right. Yeah. Um anything we haven't touched on about Logic for iPad that you'd like to before we wrap it up any anything um that comes to mind. Well, I mean, like I said, I think some of the limitations are not just things that will eventually get resolved as Apple adds features to this app, but I think iPad OS definitely needs better file management and definitely definitely more audio input output mm-hmm. management. Over the beginning of July, I remember seeing a cool, I think it was on Mastodon, someone did a cool mock-up of what um an iOS, it was on the iPhone and it was like a little um contextual sheet that would pop up. Only it was like in that older style of like iOS 6 era. Um and it was Yeah. And you could easily imagine it not looking like this, like just being the same user interface, but like more the modern style of what things look like. But basically what it was is it was just a little sheet and it had a left column of where sound could be currently coming from on the phone and then a right column of out possible outputs. And it was everything from, let's just say you had an iPhone or an iPad that was plugged into an audio jack 
in a house with some smart speakers and let's say that mm-hmm. you've got like YouTube open in an, a, bra- a tab of Safari, you've got a phone call, you've got Apple music playing some music um, on the left sidebar. I would say like, here are all the things that can be streaming audio right now. And then here's the places you can send them. So you can send Apple music through the cable to the speakers you're plugged into. You can right. send the YouTube video to an airplay speaker in your house. You can have the phone call coming through the phone speaker all at once. And with, you know, volume sliders for each kind of like the way the Mac works. And it was actually a really clean representation. I mean, it wouldn't clutter up the user interface. It would just re- have to replace that little um, airplay icon in most apps, you know, that, right. You know, just put that in an accessible place. Um, and I think that they could be onto something. So I don't know. I, I'd love to see this cause this would solve a lot of people's potential workflow hangups. But the other thing is file management. Like, iCloud and the Files app are still just a little bit like buggy and slow and weird like sure. to be doing this kind of work. Like I said, a couple of my projects took a really insane long time to open on the iPad if they had first been created on the Mac. So right. um, improvements there are also welcome. Well, iPad is continuing evolution of improvement and hopefully it'll... <laughs> Get there one day. I mean, there's kind of a, I mean, and I know we, we kind of differ into, I mean, you're like much more optimistic about the iPad because you're like proof that the the iPad life can be lived. Um, Yes. So this show is proof that it can be lived. Um, I think. And I don't have a Mac to compare it to right now. Um, really. Um, so it's like, I, I figure it out on the iPad or I don't do it. I mean, right. And, and I think that there's, there's lots to love about the iPad. If, If I, on the one hand, it's like, I still get that feeling when my Mac won't do a thing that my iPad can do or like vice versa, especially given that when the iPad is connected to the magic keyboard, it f- uh, it's pretty functionally a Mac at that point in terms of what the hardware is showing me. Sure. Um, but the reality is this, that little bit extra lightness that my iPad gives me actually does make me want to carry it around more often than my Mac. It's not that much yeah. lighter, but it's just the form factor of it is so inviting to tote around the fact that you can rip it off the screen, use the Apple pencil. The Mac can't do that. So, no. so the more that these things converge, the more I'm, I'm excited to have these experiences on the iPad. But it, it, I mean, the fact that like they co- completely rewrote final cut and logic for the iPad, I think is proof that they're not anytime soon, just going to throw Mac OS or even like make Mac OS some sort of Mac OS app development portable to the iPad. Like that's clearly not the direction they're going right. with iPad OS based on these apps existing in the way that they do with these new touch friendly interfaces. But that also makes me feel a little bit like the March onward towards like more and more Mac parody, but never quite getting there. We'll, <laughs> we'll continue for the next decade. Yeah. And then vision OS is another variable will that encourage their iPad app team to do more there. They're going to be unique apps on vision OS, but uh, they might share some code base that gives them more inspiration to do more work across both the, the platforms, you know, I hope that that this continues to go places, right? Like I have, I have mixed feelings. Like on the one hand, I know there's so much great software I can use because of Swift UI and because of like other technologies that just make it super easy to make both a Mac and iPad and Apple watch and an iPhone app. Um, but I can also see like, um, you know, like right now the Omni group is like very publicly documenting, like they're trying to move their productivity tool, OmniFocus, which is a to do app to yeah, just hit the design freeze today. So it's getting pretty close to release. Yeah. Are you an OmniFocus user? I am. Yep. Oh, excellent. Oh, well then maybe once this episode is over, I want to talk to you about the beta. I mean, they're, they've been very public. So I feel like it's safe for me to say they've, they've been beta testing their next version, which is entirely rewritten in Swift UI for quite a while and i feel like even as a task app it has proven that apple has quite a lot to do in order to make this a very viable thing for lots of developers to use for sure yeah because omnifocus is very powerful and dense and like nerdy in so many ways but like how it presents itself to a user is like the core of it is you're just like checking check boxes (laughs) so yes the fact that it has been so hard for them to get it to like be one, you know, or at least mostly one set of code that translates effectively to every Apple device means that Apple has a lot of work to do before. They do. Yeah, for sure. Well, I think we could chat for many more hours, but I think we should uh, wrap it up here. Um, where can folks find your awesome podcasts and any other places you want to plug? Sure. So most of the things that I do that are 
presented publicly are on robbyburns.com. You can actually get to my blog and podcast straight by typing in musicedtechtalk.com or just it's linked on robbyburns.com as well. Awesome. And that's, of course, available in inside of inside of any podcast app. Awesome. Yeah. Podcast directories are cool places to search. Yes. If only <laughs> Apple gave you an easy way to produce your show and then send it to one directly. Yes. <laughs> well, thank you, Robbie. Really do appreciate your time today diving into all things Logic Pro here. It's been such a pleasure. Well, that's my discussion with Robbie. My thanks to Robbie for his time recording this episode. And my thanks to you for your time and attention tuning in. You can support this podcast over patreon.com slash iPadPros. And you'll be supporting Vision Pros as well uh, for just as little as a dollar a month. And that dollar really goes a long way. And I really do appreciate all the support there and on Apple Podcasts. If you'd like to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, that is also an option. And by subscribing to iPad Pros or Vision Pros, you'll get the benefits of both. So with that said, I'll talk to everyone again real soon.